Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello everyone, this is Steve and we're here for another edition of our audio coaching today's session. Uh, just heading out now, it's, it's Wednesday evening for me. About half past seven. The sun's starting to go down, it's very nice, very chilled, pretty quiet out. And today's session is gonna we're gonna jog easy for ten minutes or so. I'm gonna head over from where I am in Victoria Park to the Olympic Park. And we're gonna do about twenty-five minutes of easy, easy running with some sections of faster running. And those sections of faster running is what I like to call surges. So we're going to increase the pace for 20-30 seconds or so. Maybe a little bit longer. And then we're going to back off again. And we're going to mix it up. So different paces. Different lengths, but none particularly long. And this really is about you know, using a technique to get more out of the easy runs from a motivational perspective. Sometimes we go out on easy runs and, it's, and it can be hard to stay motivated just to sort of plod about at the same pace. And one of the most common things I'll see when I'm coaching people is that they struggle to run the easy runs easy enough. So this is predominantly about running easy, but we're also just going to put a little bit of effort in every now and then. Just to spice it up a touch. It also is really good at getting getting us used to changing pace when we're running which for the racers among us is a useful skill if someone's trying to take you on in a race and they learn to change your pace to go with an attack or to put in attack and attack yourself So it's all good for that. So as I say, we're going to jog for 10 minutes or so. And then, uh, no real warm-up today. Just jogging. And we'll ease our way into the main part of the session. And we'll see how we get along. It's always the date today, still lost track, I think it's the 22nd. Uh, I said, on my uh, 
last recording actually that this is London Marathon Week and uh, there we go, that was a runner hobbling along. Everyone's out running. It's only a matter of time before people start getting injured. It's a real shame. There's no physios who want to go and see at the moment either, so it's a bit tricky. Um, yeah, so this week is London Marathon Week. So today's Wednesday, so today the expo would normally be open. The time, chance, first chance for people to pop down to the expo and pick up, pick up their number. Pick up their running number, do a little bit of shopping, buy some London Marathon kit, get, start getting excited about the race on Sunday. Also normally, uh, oh sorry, I should say as well, of course the expo for the London Marathon is held at the XL Centre. And uh, which clearly is being used for other purposes at the moment. Although my understanding is there aren't very many patients there at all, which can only be a good thing. Um, yeah, I was reminding myself of at the expo normally. So obviously the Excel Centre is huge, and the London Marathon Expo takes up a big hall, but not by any means the whole thing. And uh, there's other expos around at the same time, and there's always been the London Marathon Expo right next to a Dungeons and Dragons one. And it's really funny watching the juxtaposition of various stages of geekiness. So, geeky runners like me, and people like me, and then there's geeky Dungeons and Dragons folk all loitering in the same venue. Always amuses me. Um, Yeah, so the other thing that would normally be happening about now in London Marathon Week is everyone's starting to look at the weather forecast with a bit more seriousness. Usually people have been looking at long-range forecasts and panicking accordingly. Obviously no one's doing that this year, but uh, you look at the weather forecast for this weekend, the weather on Sunday is supposed to be amazing. It's almost, almost exactly what you want in marathon running. It's clear, it's bright, no wind, it's not cold, and it's not hot. About 10 degrees of sunshine brings the crowds out. The air would be good. So it won't be too cold, it won't be too hot. Typical, huh? Typical. But, you know, that's one of those things, isn't it? To be fair, I was thinking, you know, we do look at the weather for the London Marathon, we think, oh, weather in April, what's it going to be? And 
a lot of us got burned. Literally. Two years ago. In the really hot. And the marathon of 2018. Uh, but last year was totally cool. It was perfect again. It was, you know, it was cool. It was actually a bit overcast. It was calm. Maybe a touch cold towards the end, but it's totally fine. And it usually is. There's your freak gear that's hot. But it usually is alright. Like most things in life, it's usually alright in the end. people are starting to self-relax on lockdown rules. I think we're a lot better at social distancing now. I see people being much more aware of the movement of others and moving themselves accordingly. But I'm also seeing more people out. I think the weather's part part of that, but I also think the messaging we're getting is probably a factor too. So I think we're seeing stories that hospitalisation is going down. And an understanding that deaths are going to be keep it a level for a while but will decline in line with declines in hospitalisation and uh, it's got people and I think that's inevitable I think you can't you know, it's four weeks of lockdown with another at least three to go and then stories of longer term uh, or longer term impact in varying ways it's inevitable people are going to want to get out of it more I think anyway it's beautiful out tonight not a crowd in the sky, it hasn't been all day and it wasn't all day yesterday. I'm heading towards the Olympic Stadium now. I'm just going to pause for breath and check that the recording is functioning vaguely okay. And then we'll start what we're looking to do today.
Okay. Oh, he's beautiful. I've got Canary Wharf to my right. Looking nice as the sun sets on it. Well, as nice as skyscrapers can ever be, I guess. Uh, hardly a breath of wind. Having said it's, you know, people are getting out a bit more now. I do think it's quieter. Right, the second. Right. So as I say, we're going to do 25 minutes of mostly easy running, but we're going to put some surges in as well. We're just going to pick the pace up. We'll start off with them relatively gentle, relatively gently, and uh, and we'll pick them up as we go. Might put some fun things in. And really what I'm going to try and do is just take advantage a little bit of the environment that I'm in and see what there is to spice up my slightly easier run today and see where we get to. So I'm starting this. It's going to start now, but I'm at Seth Rice. Remember I've been saying about Seth Rice in previous sessions. West Ham's midfield dynamo. Standing by a picture of him hanging down outside the Olympic Stadium, which is now the London Stadium, home of West Ham United, the Irons. Okay, when we're ready, we're going to go nice and easy to start with, nothing too aggressive. Now, one of the things that I uh, have been talking about in previous sessions in and around the Olympic Park was the bell. So I did a bit of looking into the bell, not literally, but having a little look at what the bell is and how it works and all that sort of stuff. Remember, it's got uh, the inscription, be feared, the aisle is, or be not afeared, the aisle is full of noises. And it turns out that that is a script from Taliban speech in the Tempest. So it's Shakespearean. And it turns out that Kenneth Branagh read Caliban's speech during the Olympics opening ceremony. So, aside from Shakespeare obviously being British, not quite sure my research didn't extend as far to figure out what the relationship between Caliban, which is half man, half beast, I think, uh, and Olympianism might be. So maybe I'll do that next time. The other interesting thing about the bell is it is the largest harmonically tuned bell in the world. There you go. Things you learn. i.e. it's the largest one that actually plays a proper note. And Bradley Wiggins sounded it to begin the 2012 opening ceremony. I'm not sure if sounded it is the right word. He bonged it, made it bong. Not sure. Anyway, he did what he did. 
and that was when it was inside the stadium and it's now outside the stadium. So now, let's put on our first surge as I'm heading towards it. So let's pick up the pace nice and gentle, nothing too aggressive at all. Just perhaps pick the knees up a little bit. Just spice up our easier run. That's all we're trying to do. Groups of more than two people abandoned the park. Hello, you alright? Yeah, yeah, fine, thank you. My friend Heather. Okay, now we can ease off. It's probably a bit long because so I've been saying hello to Heather. So I just gave a nice little snot rocket near me. Lovely. Just what you need. Here we are, so the bell. Be not afraid. This aisle is full of noises. And the aisle is referring to the aisle the caravan lived on. Uh, there's also stories about that bell. You know, it was uh, obviously especially commissioned for the Olympics. And it was built in Whitechapel. Or rather, the designs were made the bell foundry in Whitechapel but they couldn't actually make it because they didn't have a furnace big enough so it had to be made in Holland or rather the Netherlands uh, we've seen to upset a few bell foundry people in the UK at the time. And according to Wikipedia, it's due for a tune-up in 200 years. Anyway, there you go. There's the bell. So I'm heading away from the Olympic Stadium now, heading up towards the north side of the Olympic Park, which is where a few other venues are, and Westfield. Okay, oh, I've got a nice little downhill stretch coming, just from me to a road crossing. So I'm now going to just put a little surge in as we go down to downhill. Good opportunity to open up the legs a little bit. They're gravity takers, so we're running faster, but with less effort, because we're running down the hill. Groups of two, there's a group of six cyclists, seven, all on Boris bikes, Santander cycles. Okay, so I'm now heading past the copper box, and Box has always curiously had the word run in mirrored letters outside it, 30 foot mirrored letters. Never really understood why, but it's pretty cool. Uh, 
Uh, if you don't know, the coffee box is used for uh, predominantly handball in the Olympics. That's one of the uh, events I've got to go and see. It's great. Handball is a fantastic sport. Played loads on the continent. So it's one of those games that's continental rather than English speaking. Never really took off in the UK. Oh, I forgot to say we should have stopped our surge. Too busy nattering, sorry. Okay, because of that, we're going to do another quick one now. Just for a few seconds, I'm going up over a little hill. And back down again and hold it there. Okay, so just keep it easy again. Yeah, so the copper box held handball. Fab sport. Really fast paced. Obviously, as it sounds, it's a combination between what I'd say basketball and football. And it is a sport that's played in the UK, but not very much. No funding. And your basketball doesn't even have any funding, so handball can't expect anything. So that down and running down by the River Lee, at a point where they have a, they've got a big floating screen in the middle of the River Lee with screens on either side during the Olympics. You can watch it on the banks of the river that they they developed and uh, if you had a day pass into the Olympic Park or you're watching other events then perhaps later in the day you could come along and sit and watch it and the atmosphere was amazing Really nice, and I just remember how colourful it all was. They did a really good job with the park. And they put wild flowers everywhere, which still exists today. Uh, yeah, it was really bright and colourful, and the weather was good. It's just you know, a good all round experience. So I'm heading back around now. I'm up towards the velodrome. Just going to put in another little burst here. Let's take it away. Let's pick it up a little bit. Just crossing the bridge to be honest. I'm going back over the River Lee now. I'm just going to do it with this surgeon while I'm going over the river. I'm pretty sure I can see Sam Priestley ahead of me. It might not be actually. I don't think I can see who they are. No. 
Sorry, Sam. Okay, hold it there if you haven't saw it already. Sorry, I keep forgetting. Okay, on now the velodrome. A couple of interesting things about the velodrome. The first is that actually there was the uh, temporary basketball venue was right next to it, where there are some flats now. And the finals of the basketball are actually held at the O2, so they played all the group matches in the arena here. They held the final at the O2, and rather inevitably, the US won both the women's and the men's gold medals. And then the velodrome is obviously the home of the indoor cycling events. That's distinct from BMX and mountain biking and road cycling. And this sort of beggar's belief, really. There's 18 events, 18 gold medals on offer, and Great Britain won eight of them. And no other country more, won more than one. So there's 11 countries. Is that right? Yeah, by my mouth, 11 countries. One medals. One each, apart from Britain, one eight. I'll leave you to make conclusions about that. Uh, and now, crossed over the bridge over the A12, so I'm in the Essex side of the Olympic Park, where the Hockey and Tennis Centre is. Now, tennis in the Olympics was obviously held at Wimbledon, and by Andy Murray, and I think Victoria Azarenka. Uh, the hockey the hockey was won for the men for Germany and the, who beat the Netherlands in the final and uh, was won by the Netherlands by the women ok so it's a nice little loop around these tennis courts so I'm just going to go into another search now let's put it in just spice it up a little bit. 30 seconds or so. Okay, we can hold it there. I remember that time. Back too easy. So the, just as an aside, this part of the Olympic Park, which is the, as I say, the Lee Valley Hockey and Tennis Centre, there's a mountain bike track at the back of it, which makes for good trail running. Not long, obviously, but a little bit of fun. And there's also a one mile 
road cycling circuit and a BMX park as well. All of which are used, you can use the velodrome as well. And what an amazing set of facilities. Now the reason that I uh, might have been pointedly talking about the Netherlands is because So I've always been curious about the difference between the Netherlands and Holland and why people call it one or the other. And, uh, and I discovered, but before I tell you, let's have another search. Ten seconds or so, I've just found a little ramp at the back of the hockey centre. I'm just going to run up the ramp, put the surge in, pick it up. All the way to the top. There we go. Come back to easy again. Uh, yeah, so turns out I didn't know this, probably you probably all know this. But Holland is the name of two uh, regions within the Netherlands, North Holland and South Holland which are on the coast and are home to most of the places we've heard of like Amsterdam and Eindhoven uh, but the Netherlands is the name for the whole country and they only really recently decided that actually they wanted to make sure everyone knew that the name of the country is the Netherlands and that's what they'll always be called apart from when they refer to themselves playing sport because cheering for the Netherlands is a bit hard so they cheer for Holland instead apparently but I'm sure there's some Dutch people who can correct me on that one over another big road bridge and I'm now on the east side of Hackney Marshes the lane sign and it's heaving people everywhere and I'm on a downhill ramp so I'm going to pick the pace up so let's go another 20 seconds or so there we go, flying a little bit now, the knees are up. Elbows back, head up, facing forwards. are always a good place to run or a good time rather to run on grass especially this time of year it's a bit hard at the moment because it's not had any rain or any, any volume for weeks so it's all a bit hard but the grass is still lush 
it's good cushioning slightly different surface to work our ankle mobility whilst we're taking it nice and easy and in today's world it gives us a chance to get away from others there's a bridge over the River Lee again this is a footpath this time, a narrow one <coughs> that I need to get over there's people hovering all around it both sides I just want to wait until it clears looks like I'm going to be waiting a while so I'm going to be switching around so while I do that I'm going to hit to some goalposts another little surge knees up move the goalposts and ease off okay some people have stopped in the middle of the bridge oh there go some geese right, I think we're good to go I might have to put a surge in across the bridge come on cyclist work little surgeon again 15 seconds or so side of the marshes and there's people out and about all good you're going to come out and about a big open space like the marshes of the Olympic Park and the places to do it so we've got about seven minutes of our session left there are midges everywhere So there's nothing too strenuous about today and that's one of the key things in running is you know, lots of people make the mistake that if we just go a little bit faster a little bit harder in all of our sessions we'll get a little bit fitter a little bit faster a little bit quicker you know, think of it as a shortcut to fitness or speed and the reality is it's just a shortcut to injury and what many people do is don't have a big enough range in their easy paces from their faster paces uh, especially younger people and it's ironically the younger people who can afford to have a bigger range because they have a bigger range of heart rate one of the things about getting old is your maximum heart rate drops as your heart is starting to get tired of you and, uh, and that means it's harder for you 
to change pace or pick up pace and to run hard but it also tends to mean your range is reduced as well but it's younger people who tend to push it too hard too often too soon and end up getting injured okay so the marshes football pitches make for great environments for surges so you can run one length of a football pitch and that's exactly what we're going to do right now okay and off you go let's pick it up just the length of a football pitch Hackney Marsh football pitch not quite the same length as normal football pitches that's alright relax yeah so keep easy runs easy a couple of minutes per mile or three minutes per kilometre slower than your comfortable pace or your rather your sort of racing paces not your comfortable pace, your racing paces and it should feel easy and that's one of the reasons why I can become a bit mundane and a bit ploddy sometimes it takes forever to get, feel like it takes forever to get anywhere but you've got to think about the purpose of the run and right now or normally the purpose of the easy run is to allow you to continue to build volume in your legs without killing yourself aerobically and damaging your muscle fibres too much uh, and it also you know, the, the recovery run is there to help boost circulation on your non-hard training days that helps clear out metabolic waste from inside your system helps with muscle soreness and helps you get ready for harder sessions in subsequent days stops you getting stiff sitting around all day but of course right now you know, we're training hard, we're still doing stuff but really the main purpose of an easy run in the current environment is to make sure you get out and to practice some of the mental health benefits that running provides okay and now where should we go if we go this way one more little surge off we go elbows back knees up just spice it up a little bit nothing too aggressive just a little change in pace and really your recovery run should be almost as if it's like you're running you could run all day pace
Take it easy. No need for aggression today. Australian rules football pitch on Hackney Marshes. Not an Olympic sport. Never will be. Okay, that is 25 minutes of our easy run. I'm just going to keep jogging for a little while. Probably another 10 minutes or so. Keep it nice and relaxed. Hopefully I'm not getting bitten too much. By the midges and... That new marshes bugs. as we end the week towards the end of the working week let's keep going this is week 5 it's really hard I think it's possibly getting harder for some people as time goes on uh, I think uh, I can't remember if I said it on one of these recordings or not but at the very beginning, I always thought that you know, the first week of being at home for most people would be about crisis management, you know, solving all those big issues that the lockdown created in your business, getting through that, figuring out what to do. The second week, things settled a little bit. People realised that Zoom was pretty good as a way of speaking to one another. And perhaps we didn't need to be in the office all the time starting to reap the benefits of not having to travel to work which is much more tiring than people think starting to feel quite good and I, th- I always thought there'd be a, a two or three week maybe more period of time when productivity would soar and everyone was up for it within reason obviously uh, although obviously those were kids probably have a different view but anyway there's I really feel now we're in the, the third stage and this is just based on the conversations I have also the way I feel which is we're past the stage of productivity and we're now into the stage of uh, I hesitate to use the word depression but I'm going to use it anyway where we realise It's actually, we actually need that social contact and those meetings with people on Zoom are okay to agree basics, but when it comes to doing stuff that's genuinely meaningful, where we have to look one another in the eye, read emotions, and truly understand what people are looking for and what, what's in their minds, 
we're really going to miss that social contact. So look after each other, is what I will say. I've heard some interesting things about grief this week and, uh, and the idea that we're all grieving to some extent for the losses we've suffered, whether that's physically, emotionally or financially. And one of the things we know about the grieving process is that people can react in unusual ways for them. And you can be sure that people are reacting in unusual ways to certain situations at the moment. So just think about that when you're communicating with people or when people are acting unusually on Zoom or on a phone call or most likely an email or a direct message or WhatsApp message or a Slack message or whatever it is. It's pretty tough for everybody. I think if we can have that in our minds, that it's tough for everybody, and be forgiving, then we're more likely to come through this with few emotional scars. So, I'll leave you on that note. Thanks for joining me. I've enjoyed my little run around the Olympic Park and the marshes and the a little monologue in the chat. I don't know whether you will or not, but let me know. Let me know either way. Uh, always looking to develop the content of these, so yeah, get in touch. Let me know. Have a good rest of the week. Look after yourselves. Thanks, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.